purpose of this program is not to prescribe a treatment to individuals. Listeners should consult their health care practitioner before attempting any treatment. Good morning and welcome to Health Watch. I'm Dr. David Naiman, your host. Today's guest, Dr. Alejandro Younger, is the New York Times bestselling author of Clean and Clean Gut. Dr. Younger completed his training in internal medicine at New York University Hospital and his fellowship in cardiology at Lenox Hill Hospital in New York City. And he's the founder of Clean, a wellness company that helps people live healthier lives by guiding them through targeted programs. He's back on Health Watch today to talk about his newest book, Clean Eats, which just hit the New York Times bestseller list, a comprehensive plan towards optimizing your health, whether you suffer from digestive problems, anxiety, or unwanted pounds. Welcome back to Health Watch, Dr. Alejandro Younger. Thank you. Good to be here with you. So, Dr. Younger, let's, let's start with your personal story. Um, you share in the book how you came around to finding uh, cleansing and detoxification and, and certain ways of approaching food to be really important, not just for you, but for, for your patients. Yeah, listen, I was, I was um, always uh, very busy studying and, and doing my internship and residency and fellowship, and, and uh, it wasn't until I got sick myself that I had to stop in my tracks and rethink everything. Everything that I learned in, in medical school and in my training years, because what happened was, as I went to the doctor and became a patient myself, I was shocked at the, at the approach, which is a pill for an ill, a pill for a symptom. And nothing that, that, we, that I was giving patients and, and that the doctors now were giving me, nothing was directed towards correcting the dysfunction, correcting what was going on that was not working. Everything was just killing symptoms. And that was such a shock to me that I took off, and I started looking for a different solution for myself. I wasn't thinking of becoming a different kind of doctor. I was just trying to find a different kind of doctor. And that took me around the world and, and back to the United States where I found or stumbled upon the concepts and practices of cleansing and detoxification and was able to completely eliminate all my symptoms. But, mo- but even beyond, I, I, I even looked and felt 10 years younger. And that's what led me to try to really fully understand these processes and then many others um, as seen from a functional medicine point of view and not from the way that I was trained. And that's what I'm writing about these days. So you ended up, after seeing good personal results, putting a lot of people on cleansing programs and detoxification programs. But then you were finding that a lot of the people wanted to, den- wanted to know what to do when they were done with their 21-day cleanse, how, how to carry that forward into their life. And, and the Clean Eats, your latest book, is, is one of the results of that? Yeah, sure. Well, you know, I was putting people on cleanses and detox programs, and, and, um, and then by the end, everybody would ask me, you know, how, how do I keep this up? And, and, um, and really, the only answer, or the biggest answer, because there's many aspects of it, but the biggest part of it is what you eat and what you don't eat. So, so in medical school, I never learned one single class, I never attended one single class that showed me um, how a good nutrition 
nutritional plan translated into dishes in the in the kitchen, because that's what you have to give people. You can't uh, give people fish. You have to teach them how to go fishing, and this is the same thing. You can't just give people a, a, a menu to order things or, or or shakes or whatever. You have to teach them how to cook and how to prepare meals for themselves, and that's what clean eats is about. So you use the term clean eating in, in, in this book, and, but you say that clean eating is not a list of foods to eat and not a list of foods not to eat, and that it isn't really a diet or even a strict diet. It's actually a way of thinking. Can you explain that to our listeners a little bit? Yeah. The, 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 the concept of clean eating basically is, um, is individualized. You have to find out what works for you, what foods work for you, and what foods don't work for you. I always tell my, my, my patients that, in a way, at the beginning, it's more important to learn what not to eat than to know what to eat. So that is the basis of the elimination diet. But, but we give the elimination diet to everybody the same. Now, afterwards, after they start getting better and they start feeling better, they start reintroducing some of the foods that were not allowed, and they start seeing how those foods work for them. So everybody starts identifying their own toxic trigger foods, the foods that are, don't work for them for whatever reason. And, and clean eating is basically eating whole foods as you find them in nature, which is really how nature intended us to eat, like the rest of the animals, so whole foods minus your toxic triggers. Because even, even whole foods can be toxic trigger for certain, for certain people. For example, tomatoes are great for a lot of people, but for some people they trigger a certain reaction that, that makes a, a psoriasis worse or, 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 you know, nightshades can, um, can light up a little bit of, of, uh, of the inflammatory responses in people with arthritis. So, so um, foods that can be really good for somebody may be a toxic trigger for somebody else. And everybody has to find out what those toxic triggers are for, for, for themselves. So eating whole foods and avoiding your personalized toxic triggers, that is what clean eating is about. And Dr. Younger, um, you, you say that food is not just calories but information also. So can you talk about that in relationship to the clean eating approach? What do you mean particularly about food being information? Well, the food that you eat, if you, if, if you look at how nature designs things, the food that you eat is really the, the environment. You know, animals are eating their environment, plants, uh, fruits, uh, uh, other animals, right? So, so um, when these foods, you put, you put them into your body, you break them down into little pieces and they go into your bloodstream, the presence of certain nutrients, the absence of certain other nutrients will, will actually inform your, your cells, your DNA, um, you know what kind of terrain you're in, and, and what kind of and what kind of season there is, and and if 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 there's enough nutrients or not for you to thrive, and the cells will respond accordingly. They will turn genes on and off in order to respond to whatever you're putting in. So food is really information, and and there's a whole new science that studies this, which is called epigenetics, which is the study of how food 
um, influences our genetic expression. We're talking today to Dr. Alejandro Younger about his latest book, Clean Eats, A Comprehensive Plan Towards Optimizing Your Health, Whether You Suffer from Digestive Problems, Anxiety, or Unwanted Pounds. Dr. Younger, you mentioned uh, epigenetics, and, and in Clean Eats, you talk about genes being the hardware and food being the software. It, it, how, how does that relate to epigenetics in your mind? Um, listen, our genes are there to tell our cells what to do, you know, like like make a leg or make your hair grow or, or whatever, but also to, to, to um, direct adaptation and survival mechanisms because that's really what, what um, all that, that our bodies know how to do. It's to adapt and survive. There is no information on how to get sick. So what we see as diseases today are just adaptation and survival mechanisms of our cells. And what are our cells adapting and surviving are circumstances. And a, and a huge part of that is what we eat. So the food that we eat is, is telling your body what um, mechanisms, what processes in the cells to accelerate, to start, to stop. So literally food is turning your genes on and off. And that's what I mean. So one of the things that I really appreciate about the book is is the ways in which you contextualize things to make uh, changes in, in one's habits uh, simpler and easier. And, and one of them is you start out talking about the importance of just focusing on mastering five healthy meals. C- can you talk a little more about um, why you came up with that as the approach and, and some examples of what some of those meals might be? You know, the the... There are so many books out there with programs and, and, um, and you know, you have to do this and you have to do that. And, and many times it's overwhelming. People can't really um, do, you know, they barely can do one thing, even less, uh, so many things. So, so what I tell people is to, to go slowly and to master one meal at a time. You know, first you start with breakfast. And, uh, and a, a good example of, of, of a breakfast would be, um, a, a really nutrient-filled smoothie. So that's because a liquid meal in the morning is easier to digest. It provides, it can provide a lot of nutrients, you know, in a in a way that's not heavy. So, so um, you know, you don't spend the, the the rest of the morning digesting, which is usually the most productive part of people's days. Um, so, so it's easy to prepare. So uh, a lot of people that do one of my programs or just, you know, use my ideas to, to get better, they do that. They replace one meal a day with a liquid meal. And the best one to do is usually breakfast. So you master your breakfast. You come up with, the, with a combination or with a number of smoothies that you can vary and you can, or ingredients that you can add. You know, I never make the same smoothie twice. I, I use whatever I have and then I have a bunch of of things that I add on, like spirulina and uh, almond butter and dates to make it sweeter and, and Jerusalem artichoke powder, pomegranate powder. I mean, I have all these, these uh, superfoods that I add a little bit of into my smoothies, so I supercharge them with nutrients. And, um, and you know, so you've mastered the, the breakfast, and then you go on to lunch, and, then, and, and so on and so forth. 
And presumably, if you have five foundational meals, like you said, you could vary them and make them into 15 just from those basic meals. Exactly. So when you look at the Clean Eats recipes, there are icons next to each of the recipes. And and two of them are, one of them's entitled cleanse and another one's entitled gut. Can can you explain what a recipe is when it has one of those icons next to it? Yeah. yeah. For, 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 For the general public that has never even tried any of my programs you know you you can just start and ignore those those um icons those icons are for people that want to fine tune a little bit according to what you know what i've been finding that it really helps so my first book called clean is about cleansing and detoxification how to enhance the already existing cleansing and detoxification processes, organ systems in the body, how to support them nutritionally. And, and, and it focuses on doing that. My second book, Clean Gut, is about gut repair. And, of course, this crossover between gut repair and, and, and detoxification, because when you do a gut repair program, you have to... Uh, uh, enhance your detoxification abilities and when you do a detoxification program there there is going to be some gut repair as a consequence but there's ways to really orient towards one or the other so so the icons on 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 the recipes are 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 these a cleanse you know clean cleanse recipes or are these clean gut compatible recipes. So are these recipes compatible with the cleanse that I talk about, or are these recipes compatible with the gut repair program that I talk about? And they are different because, for example, um, uh, many, many of the grains that are allowed, the non-glutinous grains that are allowed while you are on a cleanse are better avoided if you're on a gut repair program because they're a little harder to digest. And when you're a gut in a gut repair program, you want to enhance that aspect of things. So, so um, how does that translate into the recipe? Well, if you are on a cleanse recipe or cleanse compatible recipe, you could probably have quinoa. If you are in a gut repair compatible recipe, you, you will be better avoiding it. And there's many other things that are different about them. We're talking today with Dr. Alejandro Younger, the author of Clean Eats. Dr. Younger, as you heard, it's our membership drive here at KBU, and there's a lot of talk about money. And I know a lot of times when uh, people are, are reading new diets and looking at changing their diets, there's always the question of affordability. Can, can you talk about um, whether people should anticipate having to spend more money on their food in order to make some of these changes or whether it really isn't an issue in this case? Well, if you want the, the 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 easy way, it's going to cost you a little more money. If you you know if you're going to go just to the supermarket that sells organic food and buy that, at the moment, um, it's a little more expensive. But it doesn't have to be, because you can go to your local farmers market and you can organize yourself and get everything you need there, and and um, and you know sometimes to to get to get a farm be a certified organic takes a process and inspections and all kinds of things but there's many local vendors in your local farmers market that don't have 
the official uh, approval, but they are organic in essence because they don't use any chemicals. So you can just go there and ask them and establish a relationship with, your, with, with the people that, you know, that provide you one of the most important things in your life, which is your food, which is what you're made of. And when you do it that way, it's not more expensive. Yeah, and you made an interesting point in the book about places like Whole Foods, which have a reputation of being very pricey. But if you aren't buying a lot of the packaged, processed foods there, but are actually buying the produce, that you won't be spending that much more money. Yeah, and 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 listen, in my in my opinion, and in my personal life, I try to avoid packaged foods at all, completely, because. In order for something to be in a jar, in a can, in a tube, in a box, in, in, in a bag, they have to have chemicals, preservatives, conservatives, the coloring agents, smelling agents, texturizing agents, all kinds of chemicals that are put there um, with nothing of the intention of making you healthier or giving you any nutrients. They're just part of the business of making food in packages. And not, I don't even call it foods. I call it edible products or 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 products that we eat, because some of them are really inedible. We just eat them anyway. So, so in Clean Eats, you've talked about toxic triggers, which aren't necessarily junk food, which you're having people remove, but possibly healthy food that isn't going to work for some people. And Clean Eats is also a book that has recipes that avoid entirely dairy and gluten. Are you are you looking at dairy and gluten as toxic triggers that are toxic triggers for everybody, or is there some other reason why you would not have those foods? With- I, ba- I base my... my um you know, my philosophies and my practices on mostly my experience as a doctor and the experience of many other doctors that I know personally and I talk to. And I, and I actually go to their offices and hang out with them and, and know their patients. And, you know, I have a network of doctors that I, that I relate to, that I, that I learn from, that I share things with. And it is my experience, what I see out there is that Dairy and gluten are huge toxic triggers for so many people. And even people that feel good, when they say, you know what, I'm, I want to try a cleanse or whatever, and they go off dairy and gluten, they feel even better, better than they thought even possible. They, sometimes they think there's nothing wrong with them, and when they go off dairy and gluten, they realize, oh, wow. Whatever I was feeling that I was attributing to the wear and tear of you know my age and and life is actually not really so. It was it was a, it was a, a negative effect or a toxic effect of dairy and, and or gluten or a combination of both. So so I take them off entirely. So I would imagine if you're if people are discovering this in a cleanse that it's something that a lot of people could discover within a couple of weeks. Listen, most people can discover it within a couple of days, really. If you go off gluten and dairy for just a couple of days and you, you are one of the persons for which gluten and dairy are toxic triggers, you're going to start feeling the difference in, in, in a couple of days. Yeah, that's interesting. So that, that would be a motivation for a lot of people having results so quickly to find out about some of these possible invisible uh, trouble foods. That's exactly right. 
So um, let's talk a little bit about uh, some of the foods that are some of your favorite foods. I know one of the foods that shows up over and over again in Clean Eats is coconut, both is coconut oil, coconut butter, and coconut milk. Why, why do we keep seeing coconut uh, show up in all of these recipes other than the fact that it tastes good? Listen, it's not, it's not that coconut is one of my favorite foods. Really, my favorite foods are vegetables and fruits. But, but, um, but I'm trying to get, to get people to uh, find healthy substitutes for unhealthy things that they use commonly. I mean, everybody has to use oil for cooking, for, for baking, for, for, uh, for dressing salads, right? So, so um, there's, there's, um, there's healthy options and unhealthy options. And it just happens to be that coconut oil, it's great for cooking. Um, coconut water is great for drinking and for making smoothies and you know and, and, and many other things and um, so so that 's really why you see coconut a lot and so what would be some of the oils that are commonly used for cooking that we should be avoiding well you know if you 're going to cook with heat most most oil even coconut oil it ends up not being completely healthy, right? So the healthiest option is coconut oil. Um, but if you're going to use it for, for dressings and things like that, you know, we, we, we used to use canola oil and, and, and other highly processed or, or, or uh, hydrogenated oils. Those we would do better avoiding. And using instead more natural things like, um, like olive oil and making sure that if you use olive oil, it's, it's cold-pressed. And it's unfiltered, and those, those are the healthiest options. And, and what are your thoughts on the latest uh, reconsideration of saturated fats? I know we've heard this for decades that saturated fats are not good for us, even if we're eating a higher fat diet. But now it seems to be that we're looking back at the research and there, that perhaps the data doesn't point there. Listen, um, I wait uh, for for research to to to. Um, clarify things for a longer time than 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 pick it up pick up things immediately you know so so um, you know there, there was so much evidence that hydrogenated oils were part of a pro-inflammatory system um, or 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 influence and and that um, and that they were not so good that that uh, because. Right now, there's a reconsideration. I, I, I don't go running starting to use them again. I, you know, I, I'm using healthier options already, so why um, revisit until we have more evidence and make sure that we're not jumping into conclusions? Oh, uh, just to clarify, I didn't mean hydrogenated fats. I meant just saturated fats. Oh. In general, so like for instance, coconut oil being a saturated fat, um, which you recommend for cooking because it resists the heat. Yeah, well, um, listen, I don't even remember what your question was. <laughs> oh, it's just that it seems to me that we're the the scientific community used to say saturated fats were bad for us, and it seems now that we're starting to reconsider. Maybe there really isn't evidence that saturated fat is as bad as we thought. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. So tell us a little bit about um, your thinking process in terms of meats and fish and eggs and what people should be looking for and when they're purchasing uh, animal products for their diet. You know, 
the 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 thing about food is this: the rest of the animals in the planet don't have to think about food. Eating happens, um, and 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 for some it takes a little more effort. Like you know, the lions have to go and chase it and and and, and hunt it down and. So and, and and for a lot of animals it takes effort, but it just happens, you know. It, it, the food is provided, and and animals know what they have to eat, and they don't eat what is, is not natural for them. We have lost that knowledge. So, so because of that, there's so many theories. Some people say humans should be vegetarians. Uh, some people say no, we're carnivores as well, because you know we have a, these sharp teeth and we have this canine uh, teeth and and uh, you know to 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 shred meat and 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 things like that my wife is a professor of anthropology and she studies other cultures and she's fascinated with primitive cultures cultures that have not been polluted by the you know our modern uh, technologically oriented civilization so she spent a year in in uh, in Brazil in the Amazon with the Shingu Indians who are living like they were living for the last 5000 years and um and they eat some meat they eat fish and they eat certain certain birds that they hunt and um but the thing is this whatever fish they eat or whatever birds they hunt they hunt it themselves they the, they are animals that are living in the wild um you know the the wild caught fish and wild caught birds they're nothing like the fish that we farm or the birds that we raise in cages that never see the day of or, or, or the light of the day or the sun and and that are fed in an unnatural way so they get inflamed and because of that they're given antibiotics and hormones antibiotics to prevent them from getting infected so that that they don't waste you know they, they don't lose money and 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 hormones to fatten them faster and we do that with chickens and with in and, and with cows and, and and so on and and the fish that we farm they you know they're they're very unnaturally fed as well so so if you are going to eat these things and i eat them myself i make sure that the the fish is wild caught the 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 beef is you know the meat is grass fed and 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 the range free or 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 even wild and then with the with the fish, are you also eating lower on the food chain in terms of overfishing, like eating smaller fish like sardines, or is that not necessarily a concern? The concern with with a, with the size of the fish is that the bigger the fish, the more accumulated toxins they have themselves. Because small fish eat a little bit of thing, of, of toxins, and I'm talking about mercury and things like that. But um, but once you start getting bigger fish that eat tons of small fish, the 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 bioaccumulation of toxins is gets bigger and bigger and bigger, and that's one of the reasons to avoid the bigger fish. Um, of course, there's there's other reasons, you know, because um, right now, the, the, for example, tuna has been so become so popular in the world because of sushi restaurants. That I mean, there's even a, a TV show about catching tuna called Wicked Tuna, and um, 
and, and they're extinguishing these animals, and they're going to change the whole ecological system. So, so that's one reason to be beware of, of a, a, you know, catching wild fish in mass numbers. But, um, but when I talk about it, I don't, you know, I, I don't talk about the political or the, or, or, or the environmental impact of these things, even though I'm aware and I study them and I try to be an activist for those things as well. Um, I'm a doctor, and I talk about medicine, I talk about your body, and, and, uh, and that's what I mostly understand, even though I don't fully understand, but that's what I'm dealing with. And, and when I'm talking about the fish size and where you catch it, and I'm, I'm mostly concerned about the toxins that you're being exposed to. We're talking today with Dr. Alejandro Younger, the author of Clean Eats, a comprehensive plan towards optimizing your health, whether you suffer from digestive problems, anxiety, or unwanted pounds. Dr. Younger, um, a lot of listeners maybe are listening and they're thinking, you know, I don't have a digestive problem. I don't need to change my diet. But you you talk a lot about how um, gut health is really central to a lot of uh, – uh, of our general health that is even unrelated to the gut itself and that the gut isn't just the digestive tract. Can can you talk a little bit about why it's so important to deal with this aspect of our lives, even if our situation is knee pain or psoriasis and it's not a digestive problem? Well, health and disease start in the intestines. Our intestines are to our body like the roots of a plant are to a plant and the food is to our body like the soil is to a plant now any gardener knows that if you have a plant that's not thriving you don't waste your time on the leaves and the and the fruits and the flowers you go directly to the roots and the soil where you find most of the problems that end up showing as problems in the trunk and the leaves and the, and the, and the, and the, and the flowers. So, so w- the same findings I find with patients. When I see skin problems or, or, or allergies or eczema or things like that or autoimmune diseases or depression, usually I find the root of the problem in the gut. And what I call the gut is not only the intestines but also the huge nervous system that lives within and around the intestines, which is bigger, if you, if you clamp it up into a ball, the ball will be bigger than the ball of nervous, nervous cells within your skull. And not only in size, but bigger even in activity. For example, at any given point, a healthy person is producing 90% of the serotonin in their body within the neurons of the gut, not the neurons in your brain or in your skull, inside your skull, in that brain, because around the gut there's another brain, right? We call it our second brain or our our enteric nervous system. Um, but, um, But a lot of the neurotransmitters, including serotonin, are produced more in the gut than in your skull. So... So, and there's also 80% of our immune system that lives within and around your intestines. And, and that's where the most transited border is between the inside and the outside of your body. So, so you know, the, all this immune system is there for a reason. It's there to protect foreign stuff from coming from the inside, from the outside to the inside. 
And where is most of the foreign stuff? It's inside your intestines. It's the food that you're digesting and the organisms that are living in your gut. So, so um, the, 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 the thing is, it's more complex than we really think. And you may not be having a overtly or, or, or obvious digestive issues, you may be having an autoimmune disease or allergies or, 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 or many, many, many other problems. And, and uh, they may be originate, originating in a dysfunctional gut. And so in a strange way, you could think of the gut as part of, not only just part of our immune system, but also a second brain and a second liver. Huge part of our immune system, huge part of our, immune, uh, uh, of our nervous system. And as you say, it's, it's, for example, it's a satellite liver because 40% of the detoxification of toxins that we're exposed to happens actually in a healthy gut. So, so what are some of the, the foods and clean eats that are particularly good for, for the gut? I, I, I'm guessing, but I know that you talk a lot about bone broths and also about bitter greens and, and wild greens. Are those some of the foods you would think of that would be particularly good for gut health and detoxification? If you're lacking vitamin A, foods that contain vitamin A are going to be particularly good for you. If you're lacking uh, fiber foods that contain fiber are particularly good for you. So this question is also very individualized. Now, there are things that, that, um, that help the health of the gut um, in different ways. And I think of them more as supplemental foods or things, you know, that, that, that you do. Like, for example, aloe vera, marshmallow root, and, and um, licorice. All these things really promote the growth of the cells of the lining of your intestine and repair something called the leaky gut or hyperpermeable gut and, um, and, and things like that. So, so the, you know, your question is really a complex if you get into the nitty-gritty, right? And do you, would you recommend or are you a proponent typically of fermented foods as for, in general for people, or, or is that something that would be more specific for people with gut problems? Um, if, you, if you have gut problems, fermented foods are going to really accelerate healing. But if you don't have any gut problems, fermented foods are going to help you sustain that condition. So fermented foods are actually really good for everybody. We're back with Dr. Alejandro Junger, the author of Clean Eats. Uh, Dr. Junger, in our final minutes of the program today, uh, you, you've mentioned in the book Clean Eats that you're donating 100% of the proceeds to charity. Can, can you talk a little bit about some of the charities that the proceeds from Clean Eats are going towards? Yeah, the, the, in the book, in the back cover, um, I talk about two of them, and then uh, one was added after the printing. And the one that was added after the printing is my favorite one, you know. Uh, there's a, there was a spiritual teacher called Rudolf Steiner who, who, um, who was very knowledgeable about many things, including biodynamic farming and building a, a cities and many, many things. And once he was asked... Um, how he would stop war in, between humans. And he took a time to think about it, and as, a, as an answer to that, he came up with the Waldorf education, Waldorf schools. Uh, 
or Rudolf Steiner schools. And, uh, and it's a very particular way of educating kids in which, you know, you, for the first seven years, you respect the wonder of, and the magic of life, and you don't teach them how to read or write, or you don't let them watch media. And, and, um, and there's a lot of building and playing, and, and, and you know, it's, it's really a comprehensive program, and it's an amazing thing. My kids go to a Waldorf school. And, um, and so now Waldorf decided to start planting schools in areas of conflict, starting with Palestine. So there's a, there's a project of building a, a Waldorf school in Palestine and, and with the hope that it will spread around and it will end up uh, impacting the, the situation in, in these conflicted areas in the world. And that's one of the charities. Then it's going to another charity called Vitamin Angels that provides essential vitamins, vitamin A and other, other vitamins to, to kids below the age of five in which if you provide some of these nutrients that are missing in their diets, you prevent a lot of problems in, in, in their health. And the third one is, is Health Corps, with the, which educates kids about health and eating in, in schools around the country. So, and the reason why our three um, charities have to do with kids is because they're the future. So, Dr. Younger, um, you mentioned at the beginning of the program that in conventional medical school you get very little uh, nutrition education. And we probably have listeners today who are seeing doctors who aren't able to give them sophisticated dietary information. And, and you mentioned that you do what's called functional medicine. So maybe we can just end the program with your thoughts on, on or explanation of what functional medicine is in case people want to find a functional medicine doctor. Yeah, listen, you, you, don't, you don't need to expect complex nutritional information from all your doctors. But if your doctor, your general practitioner, and your cardiologist, and you know, you, you, most doctors, I would say, if they don't ask you what you eat, there's something wrong there. If they, if they completely ignore or, or overlook this issue, there's something missing there. So, so beware. Um, in functional medicine training, they teach you about nutrition and the importance of nutrition and how health and disease starts in the intestines and, and how the body has detoxification systems and things like that. So, so doctors that are trained in functional medicine are much more likely, and functional medicine is, 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 has a, a way of training not only doctors but only healthcare practitioners like chiropractors and nutritionists and, and, and nurses and, and um, any healthcare practitioner. So, so um, if you go to their website, ifm.org, Institute, Institute of Functional Medicine, um, .org, you can find a functional medicine practitioner in your area. The, there's, a, there's a click there that somewhere in the website that says find a functional medicine practitioner, and you just put in your, your zip code, and it'll tell you. And it'll tell you if they're doctors or chiropractors or nutritionists or homeopaths or whatever it is that they are, but also trained in functional medicine, those are the doctors that are more likely to help you, your body, regain its natural ability to heal itself. Well, Dr. Younger, it was, it was a pleasure having you back on Health Watch today. My pleasure. 
We are talking today with Dr. Alejandro Junger, the author of the New York Times bestselling Clean Eats, which I believe is still available at the $60 pledge at one 500 5266 Stay tuned for the rest of the Monday Morning Radio Zine.